Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. They started serving a few hundred meals to help their local community. 18 months later, they're now a non-profit serving thousands of meals and helping in other ways. We talk to the Whalers Helping Whalers organization. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Even before the COVID pandemic, there were many in our local communities who were struggling in a number of ways. One of the biggest problems facing school students in New London was that of hunger and not getting enough food. Simply put, their families were doing everything they could to put food on the table, but despite their best efforts, lack of money and being forced to work several jobs just to keep the lights on at home was having a knock-on effect. And then of course COVID arrived and made the already bad situation even worse. Two men working in New London decided to take action and between them started a movement that has turned into a non-profit now able to help even more people in different ways. Chef Tom Johnson, who works for New London Schools, and Cameron Lewis, a retired public safety dispatcher and long-time volunteer, set about creating a meal service for students and families in need. And as we hear from them both, it's turned into something even bigger. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, yes. Appreciate it. So... I'm going to turn to you first, Chef Tom, because you're sort of like a bit of a local personality, certainly down in the New London area. Why did you get involved in all of this meal preparation? So I run the culinary program at London High School. Um, I built it, I designed the kitchens, wrote the curriculum, pretty much you name it. I did it to build the program to what it is today. And so what was happening was my students were telling me they were hungry. And when students tell you they're hungry, that's pretty major because a lot of times they'll just stay hungry. They don't want anyone to know because it's kind of embarrassing to them. So they started telling, say, hey, man, I'm hungry. Can you do anything for me? And that kind of just triggered the whole thing, uh, trying to find a way to get them something to eat. How big a problem is it? Because New London is a great city. It isn't the richest city in Connecticut. We all know that. Uh, and, you know, and that's been a problem for a while. So how big a problem was it? Well, it was a huge problem and still is. You know, a lot of people think, well, the pandemic's coming to a close and it's not needed anymore, but it's definitely still needed. You know, there's a ton of uh, pantries in London and the need seems to keep growing. Uh, there's always people need a helping hand. You know, people aren't working. It's kind of a, a weird situation right now because I figured with all the jobs, people be out there working and there's still... Uh, not engage so much and they still need some some help so even before the pandemic hit you were helping out the community then of course COVID-19 comes along and boom it becomes a hundredfold even bigger what happened then couldn't do it all yourself I mean you've been doing so much anyway and and so you've obviously enlisted a lot of help from you know local organizations so tell us about that right so Cam 
has been with me for about six years. Cam is the guy when I can't do any more. Cam's the guy who always picks me up and helps me get things done. You know, so we started out doing pizza kits from Daddy Jack's. And, you know, Cam was always the guy to, he would deliver our breads, our pastas. And I said, hey, you know, these kids are saying they need food. And at that time, Daddy Jack's was giving us um, pizza kits. So we take the pizza kits and deliver kids' houses. And then that just continued to grow into, um, we started doing meals first. And, uh, you know, meals went crazy. I mean, there was times we were doing, I think, about 200 pounds of chicken, uh, maybe 100 pounds of vegetables. We made a chicken, rice, vegetable plate, and we handed it out. And that was um, that worked out pretty well. Then we went up to 1,000 a week and just knocking these meals out. And then we turned into a pantry with meals. So, you know, we want to take care of as many people as we can. Because some people can cook still and some people can't. So we want to make sure we get as many people taken care of as we possibly can. Cam, we're going to bring you in here. You are the vice president, as we say, of Whalers Helping Whalers. We're going to be talking more about that organization in just a bit. So Chef Tom said, you know, you've been with him for a while. Just give us a little bit of your background. And and how did you view all of this when it started to sort of like really take off as well? Because people like to help out their community. And then suddenly, as we said, it was bam, it was a hundredfold. I started volunteering when I was age 15, and I'll tell you my age now because it's up there uh, in the fire service, town of Waterford. And from there, um, from Little League to parent-teacher community organizations in the school, especially in New London. And from there, uh, we met Chef Tom, thanks to my grandson, through uh, the culinary program. We started doing things together when we found out that we had kids in need. all about the kids, the students, and their families. We had the holiday meals, which we had uh, ShopRite, uh, gave us quite a bit of food, working with the New London Police Department at the same time, you know, getting them involved in helping us. And then, and then from there, just uh, expanded. And, and now we're at the point here, we're at the uh, Elks. Because of the pandemic, because of the COVID-19, we've uh, furthered what we were trying to do uh, into the community. And it's just uh, uh, prospered. And it's, you know, for the community, not for us, but for the community. It's a community part prospering. And we had uh, our, our community meals uh, center on Montauk Avenue assisted and got involved during the pandemic during the COVID-19 they they couldn't do things chef said well I can help you and of course we're making meals then not just for public but for our homeless and for those other parents in need throughout New London and those that were that were doing camp out somewhere they got assisted because of this program and that's the type of program that we've uh, Evolve. So, of course, as we said, you were doing this sort of before COVID came along, then COVID came along, and now you're an official non-profit. Tell us about that, because that's a big deal. It takes a lot of time and effort to put in all the paperwork and everything, and then, of course, you have to raise the money. So, Chef Tom, tell us a little bit about why you decided to go down that route. Why was it important then to sort of like make it official, as it were? Well, one of the problems that we've always had is raising money. You know, to feed people costs us a lot of money, and so we have to constantly find ways to make money. So, well, if you become a nonprofit, there's more money available. So off we went. We became a nonprofit, and, you know, that's pretty much uh, what we did and why we did it. And, you know, now, I mean, it, things have changed so much in how we get money. And actually, everything for us, we used to have to go 
when we first started, I would have to take my wife's minivan. We get 640 pounds of chicken, 150 pounds of vegetables, like uh, 150 pounds of rice, and put in the car and bring it down here and cook it. Now we work with Connecticut Food Share, which brings it here, Gem Moran, United Way. They help us out with a, a lot of our food. So it's opened up a lot of doors, being a nonprofit that weren't open before, and we can just help more people. And the other thing, uh, of course, to to mention is, you know, you've mentioned it already, the Elks Lodge here in New London. Previously, you were doing uh, a lot of the cooking at uh, New London High School. That obviously had to to change and it had to move to here because I believe isn't New London High School having some slight modernization and some work done. So Absolutely. Was, yeah, there's a lot of things going on there. Which is great, obviously. Always good to hear that our educational centers are getting upgrades, etc. And I'm sure you're pleased to hear the kitchens are probably getting a good old upgrade. So so Cameron, you know, so like we're, we're here actually recording this at the, at the Elks Lodge because, as we say, the food now is prepared here. How important was that? And did they come to you and say, hey, you know, we'll help out. We'll give you our facility. I mean, what was the story there? Yes, and that was one of the gentlemen here, Keith. Uh, I'll just name him as Keith, a uh, great person. Opened up uh, his building. You know, the Elks, the board said, you know, we, have a, we have a place for you to come. When we looked at what we were doing originally when we started, we also used restaurants to help us out during, during the pandemic. Restaurants were there to cook the food for us. We had uh, Ivy's, we had uh, Daddy Jack's, we had Hot Rods Cafe. We had chefs from up in um, the Norwegian and Spa, Lake of Isles. We had all these chefs that were out of work helping us. The thing is, buildings were being closed because of uh, COVID-19. And, of course, the Elks was one of them, but they had this facility that we could use to cook. And it gave the chef the opportunity. And with the nonprofit status, it just opened up more doors for us, opened up the possibilities to get more done for our public. Did it surprise you at any point how much people were prepared to give, bearing in mind everyone was in the same boat and everyone was sort of suffering, really? And like you said, you know, restaurants and chefs were effectively out of work, not getting paid, but they were quite willing to turn around and say, hey, yeah, absolutely, we'll, we'll muck in and we'll help the community. Did that surprise you at all or not? It, it did, because it, was ama- it, it did at first, but after we got into it, no. I realized that their heart was in the community. They didn't live in New London. They were chefs from other parts of the state. It's like Chef Tom is not from around here. He's from further west of Connecticut. But because of his teaching here, he's, he's met a lot of parents, met a lot of, through, the, through, the, through the schools, and they've come to know him in a way that just he's just opened up the doors. So these chefs got on board because some chefs that have businesses in the city came through his culinary program also. So it, it, they opened up their, their doors to that. Um, and just that that connection and that was chef tom what's the, the reaction being from obviously the people that you're helping out because that's what it's about at the end of the day you know we can talk about all the restaurants and all the help you get and of course that is absolutely tremendous and and a lot of this couldn't happen without that but of course it's about the community about the people what's their reaction been to this this wave of generosity that's come in their direction I think they're always excited to hear what's going on. Uh, a lot of people are very generous uh, with their money because they know what's going on. We've been at this for 18 months, which I never thought we'd be at this at 18 months. I thought we'd do a couple hundred meals and be gone for the weekend. And 18 months later, it's here we go again. But everyone's been very open, accommodating, helpful in every way possible. And they felt not forgotten that they were in they were in struggles they were in need and they weren't forgotten they had meals coming their way cooked meals hot meals that's an important part of that because they knew that 
and it was it was just fantastic just to see the look on their faces if you could see their faces and you would see that they were just um you know overjoyed thrilled to have food coming in for them and for their families i mean even the students seeing that 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 because we've had students that have graduated that have come to help here in this program so it's a, a rewarding program for the community helping the community is the willers helping willers what did it mean to both of you i mean obviously chef tom your job and the schools are sort of open again, feeding the next generation, the young people of our community. That is, you're making sure they're getting good nutrition. And then, Cam, I mean, firefighter, very humanitarian role that you do as well. How important was it for both of you to really get involved in, in all of this? Well, I want to correct you on one thing. I don't cook for the kids at school. I teach them how to cook. So there's cafeteria workers, and I teach culinary. So I teach them everything to go out. Like I said, his grandson is now in school to become a chef but you know it's super important because you you see these kids and their families and they're struggling and we have the ability to help them so i mean i don't know what kind of person would not help you know here we have this set of skills we have all this support and it does take a lot of work but uh, what kind of person wouldn't want to help people who needed help and so for me that's why I, I still do that you know i would much rather sleep in saturdays and <laughs> not have to do all the stuff that we have to do but there's still people in need so i still have the ability to do it i bring my family down here to help out a lot of school kids come former students come and help out so you know it's like a a big family helping a bigger family and the same question to you cam i mean you know like i said you already help the community you've been helping the community as a firefighter what drove you to want to give even more being with Chef Tom, being involved in his commitment to New London. When I grew up in New London, moved to Waterford, came back into New London. My wife's a teacher in New London, um, and I was a 9-11 communications dispatcher for 25 and a half years. I retired in New London. I worked for the New London Fire and Police Department, um, and I retired from that. But I was in the Little League growing up, uh, and, and then I became the president of that league, and I was involved in coaching and so forth. So I was always involved in the community. And so doing that, it just it, it, um, added to the, the fact that we're still, we're still giving. And as, as a volunteer, I've been volunteering for a long time, and I don't mind volunteering. It's all about giving back to the community that's given to us. Um, and that's, that's what Shep was doing, and that's what, even our board, members of our board that, uh, that were doing the same thing, giving back to the community because the community has given so much to them. It's gone beyond food, of course. I mean, if anybody looks at the tremendous little website that you have up, uh, Whalers Helping uh, Whalers, you can see on there that you have drives for other things, clothing, boots and uh, winter jackets. Talk to us a little bit about that, how that came about and why that was important as well. Well, the jackets came out, we've done that for a couple of years now, and uh, I saw kids walking to school with blankets, and I said, why are you walking to school with a blanket? And it's like, I don't have a jacket. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I mean, why don't we have a jacket? And, you know, a lot of times their parents are working two or three jobs. They just, they're doing everything they can just to get food on the table for these guys. So last year we raised several thousand dollars to uh, buy jackets. And these are new jackets. And this year we raised $10,000 from Chelsea Groton and Dime Bank. And now we can buy, that's over 600 jackets, brand new jackets for the kids in London. Same thing with boots. The TVCCA had a Santa Boots program, and they couldn't continue it this year. And one of our volunteers said, hey, chef, 
here's a boot program that's going to go to the wayside. Uh, what do you want to do with it? And so we called, and now we're taking care of that. We have about 450 pairs of boots that have been pledged to us. And so we'll get uh, boots on the feet and, you know, hats and gloves. And, you know, if we find something we can do, we do it. And I think Miracle Families is the first thing we started. We did the 200 food baskets. And we, I, I dress up as Santa Claus. You guys at home can't see me, but I've got the body for Santa Claus. And uh, so I dress up Santa Claus. So you want to put a Christmas tree up, get presents. And that's been, that's been we've been doing that for... A long time, uh, way before we were up in whalers. But now, you know, we've got an Easter egg, uh, Easter egg hunt coming up. We have Thanksgiving meals going out November twentieth. We'll make five hundred meals and two hundred baskets. Uh, same thing we're doing for Christmas, and we just keep expanding. If we find a need, uh, we we try to fill it. And we have a very small, motivated group of people. And if we can think it, so we can do that. And we just do it and there's there's such a small i want to do this i want to do this let's do it and we do it so there's not a it's a group that gets along with the same mission so it makes it super easy it's not like those boards that fight against each other so here this is what i want to do you guys okay with that off we go in our christmas program that we have that we made items available to the parents for their kids that were struggling and um we did, it was a 15, 20 families last year. Oh, for a Miracle Families? Yeah, the Miracle Families. It ended up being 25. 25 total. We started at 15, and it ended up being 25. So it just tells you how it, what the need was for just those 25. And that was just 25 families. There's probably a lot more, but we may not have known about them. But the minute we added a family, we added them to the, to the list to get, to get items for them to, get to, to assist them. Because it was a tough year last year. And, again, we're doing it this year, we, and the list is up there again. Um, so, you know, it's just it's, it's great working with the community. And, and one thing, um, you know, being a dad, too, we don't give clothes for Christmas presents. <laughs> we give toys for Christmas presents because kids have to be kids. And they might get clothes, too, but, you know, we want to make sure they have some type of toys so they can play with. So it feels like because all their friends are getting toys, and so they got to feel like they're appreciated and loved, too. So we just kind of help them out with that. And at the same time, we, we have businesses that help us with that. And we have the United Way also that opens up their doors to assist us in getting toys and stuff at the same time. So it, it's a joint effort throughout the, the community of businesses and uh, nonprofit organizations like the Elks, like the um, uh, United Way, the Gemma Moran Center, all these different organizations. I may have forgotten a couple, but just the volunteerism that, that is nucleus in New London and in New London County. It just adds to um, uh, the season. As we said earlier in this conversation, you were doing this before COVID came along. Then, of course, you sort of made it official, as I said, and uh, becoming a non-profit. Hopefully we will see uh, you know, COVID disappear at some point. Uh, all, yeah, all of us are crossing our fingers for that. So what happens after that? I mean, are you just going to carry this on? Because you said, Chef Tom, you know, 18 months you've been doing this now. How much longer can you or will you continue to do this? My idea is to always keep it going and grow it. At some point in time, to possibly have paid employees who can do more of this, because right now all of us are, we put tremendous amount of hours in. But at some point, that's why I would see it as a, maybe as a freestanding nonprofit in London 
that will continue after we're not in it anymore because there's so much people still need this. As long as the need is there, that's what we're, we're here to do. As long as there's a need, then, Lord willing, we're going to keep it going. That's, you know, that's our, our philosophy is to keep it going, pay it forward. And what about volunteers? You said that obviously you've got a small band of volunteers. Are you always looking for volunteers? If so, you know, give us some details because whoever's listening to this, obviously if they can help out, I'm sure that you would welcome any additional assistance. Well, I'll tell you, one of the biggest organizations as far as volunteers has been Legite Health District, the uh, Medical Response Corps team. At the beginning, when we came to the Elks, we had 15 to 20 of their people, literally, um, here thanks to uh, Legite Health District opening up their doors to us. And once again, you know, they're the, the health district and the other stuff they're involved in, but they have a lot of volunteers that they use in their time of emergencies. And uh, th- that commitment from them helped us. Yeah, and if people want to come help us, uh, they can sign up at whaleshelpingwhalers.org and just click on the volunteer button. It'll tell you what slots we have available, what time they are, what days they are. So it's very easy to sign up and get things done and i know you said obviously the 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 coats and the boots are are brand new but do you take donations of anything else can people donate things obviously money's always nice if they can donate money as well again on the website you can donate but coats they can still donate we we also get coats for jack for for parents parents are more accepting of a used jacket versus a kid that has to go to school and they get me oh you got a used jacket so for the parents we have used jackets and uh, you know, we also try to get them boots and everything they need. So, so gently used items, yeah. I think, is the term that's generally used, isn't it, sort of yeah. thing. So if anyone's <laughs> listening out there that's got some, you know, maybe a jacket they've not used for a while, give it a wash and sort of like, and they can sort of like send it down to you as long as it's just gently used. Yeah. That all sounds good. Anything, anything they have. You know, we, we've taken dressers, we've taken beds, we've taken pretty much anything because there's always people... Uh, who need air conditioners we've been given and you know there's always people who need it so we've been kind of lucky enough to turn into a, a kind of clearinghouse say hey who needs this and poop McSaser for maybe a week then off it goes well it truly is the uh, the spirit the whaling uh, city spirit and it's been a pleasure talking to both of you and obviously we know it doesn't happen just both of you like you said you've got a, a band of volunteers as well so to everybody at the whalers helping whalers organization thank you for what you continue to do for the community and it's been a pleasure talking to you both thanks for being on the podcast thank you thank you and if you want to help out volunteer or just donate to the organization their website again is whalershelpingwhalers.org The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Got deer problems? Let us help. With Green Valley Tree LLC's Deer Preventive Spray, guaranteed to keep deer away from your precious plants, bushes, and trees for up to six months. With cold weather on its way, deer will be looking for sources of food. Don't let your front and backyards become their pantry. Call Green Valley Tree today at 860 860- 
234-4041 or visit us at greenvalleytreeworks.com. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making the headlines in the region recently. Lawrence and Memorial Hospital, part of the Yale New Haven Health Group, is bringing precision medicine to breast cancer patients at its Smilo Cancer Hospitals in Waterford and Westerly, Rhode Island. Dr. Robert Ligare, the medical director of Smilo, says a new imaging agent called Seriana is being used to specifically detect certain types of recurrent or metastatic breast cancer. Some of the radioisotopes that are being used for tests like PET scan are getting more specific. And the seriana is one of those that helps look at ER-positive breast cancer and it can help us distinguish more accurately within the body where ER-positive breast cancer may be. The imaging agent is used in conjunction with a PET scan similar to a CAT scan to identify estrogen-positive breast cancer in patients, allowing for more targeted therapy and treatment. It is estimated that 1 in 12 women in the United States will develop some form of breast cancer and that over a quarter of a million breast cancer diagnoses are made each year. Connecticut College has sunk 30 artificial reef balls into the Thames River to create a sustainable aquatic habitat and slow down coastal erosion. Dr. Maria Rosa is an assistant professor of biology at the college and heads up the project and says they're also looking to create a living shoreline too. So that's when you try to protect your shoreline from erosion and from storm damage using more natural structures. So instead of putting in a big breakwater or putting in a concrete wall, which degrades over time, you use something that's more natural, that provides habitat, and that it's more likely to maintain itself. The hemispherical reef balls are made from a marine-friendly pH-balanced concrete and help mimic natural reefs. So this is kind of a technology that has been used all over the Caribbean, all over Florida, and actually in Stratford, Connecticut as well. And what they do is they mimic natural reefs. So they're concrete structures, but we also add silica and other things to kind of pH balance it. So it makes it a great habitat for organisms like oysters, mussels. They love to settle on it. Rosa secured a $10,000 grant for the project and will monitor the artificial reef over the next three years and if successful, could see more reef balls added to the Thames River. In the Connecticut Examiner this week, for a second consecutive election, a law passed in the Connecticut State Legislature allowed residents to cite COVID as a reason for voting by absentee ballot for the recent November 2nd elections. And in several towns across the state, the rates of absentee voting vastly exceeds totals in 2019. But according to local election officials, absentee voting patterns appear to rise and fall depending on town-by-town efforts by the parties to distribute ballot applications. In some towns, the number of residents requesting ballots has declined to pre-pandemic levels. Others are still seeing abnormally high numbers of voters deciding to vote absentee. Town clerks in Old Saybrook, Westbrook, East Lyme, Madison, Old Lyme, Darien, Danbury and Westport said that the number of absentee ballots they received for this election were higher than in prior municipal election years. In the day this week, New London police are investigating two armed robberies at city businesses recently that occurred within days of each other. The first occurred on a Wednesday at the DB Mart on Bank Street. Police responded to a report that a man had robbed the convenience store clerk at Knife Point. The subject is described as a white man wearing dark clothing. No injuries were reported. The second robbery took place just four days later on a Sunday at the Hodges Square Wine and Spirits on William Street. The subject is also described as a white man with a slender build wearing all dark clothing. Police said he used a knife to steal an undetermined amount of money and items from the store. Police have not said if they think there is a connection between the two robberies, but are asking for the public's help. 
In the Norwich Bulletin this week, five former Connecticut Municipal Electric Energy Cooperative officials have appeared in U.S. District Court to face charges they used more than $1 million in cooperative funding to pay for lavish trips unrelated to company business for themselves, their guests and other members. On the first day in what is expected to be a short trial, the government and defence lawyers laid out their opening statements to the 16 jurors who sat masked and socially distanced inside a second-floor courtroom. The trial begins three years after the defendants were indicted by a grand jury in November 2018 on counts of conspiracy and federal fund theft. In the Middletown Press this week, a leading member of an organisation targeting ATMs at commercial establishments across Connecticut was arrested recently after a year-long investigation, according to Middletown Police. 22-year-old Gianberto Rivera from New Britain was taken into custody on a 33-count arrest warrant. The charges range from corrupt organisation and racketeering activity to various burglary, larceny and criminal mischief offences. Middletown police detectives identified Rivera as a leading member of an organisation operating out of New Britain during the year-long investigation with New Britain police, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Thank you for listening.